This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This week on the Relic Radio Show, our hour of radio drama begins with the FBI in peace and war. We'll hear the inside track, their story from May 11, 1955. After that, it's Frontier Gentleman and the Gold Digger, his story from September 28th. 1958. The FBI in Peace and War. The FBI in Peace and War is brought to you by healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. Enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint every day, as millions do. The lively, long-lasting flavor freshens your mouth and sweetens your breath. The pleasant chewing eases tension, helps you feel better, and get more enjoyment out of what you're doing. Another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, The Inside Track. Well, Ali, how did you make out, my boy? Oh, I got him, Phil. 25 sheets of paper and 25 envelopes. Well, good, good. Splendid. Congratulations, Oliver. I knew I could count on you. How about a drink? I'll take a beer. Uh, two beers, Tony. Now, let's see the paper, Ollie. Federal Steel, Incorporated, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Perfect, Oliver. Just what I want. Now, what do I owe you? Well, gee, Phil, I don't know. I never swiped anything like this before. <laughs> was it difficult? No. All I'd do is make out like I was delivering sandwiches to the office. Then as soon as the secretary goes out, I take the stuff. Well, it did involve a certain amount of risk. Uh, what do you say to $50? You say you're out of your head. Pay it out much for some paper and envelopes. I, I can use it, don't <laughs> Well, there you are, my boy, and I assure you it's worth it. Ah, here's our beer. Thank you, Tony. Hey, uh, maybe I ought to pay for this, Phil. Feel like I'm stealing from you. Nonsense. These simple pieces of blank paper will be worth their weight in gold before I get through with them. Well, okay, I'm not going to argue. But just tell me one thing, Phil. Yes? What are you doing with them? Well, Oliver, it's a long and rather complicated story. But since I've always enjoyed talking about myself, I'll tell you how I do it. In the course of 65 vigorous and adventurous years, Philip O'Donnell spent a good portion of this time in jail for swindles of various kinds. He was a handsome man endowed with an aura of solid character and respectability. His hunting grounds for the swindles were the commuting trains to and from large cities. His victims were always substantial middle-class suburbanites. Oh, and may I have a special delivery letter from Mr. Teller sign here, please? Thank you, ma'am. Oh, thank you. What was it, dear? Uh, special delivery for you, Stanley. Who do you know in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? Nobody. Federal Steel Company. One of your clients, Stanley, can I open it? No, you cannot. Give it to me. Maybe they want to buy some advertising. It couldn't be a bill, could it? No, it couldn't. <laughs> it's a check for a dollar and seventy-two cents. Hmm? 
from the office of the vice president of the Federal Steel Company. A dollar and 72 cents, whatever for? He said he'd send me a check, but I never thought he'd do it. He who, Stanley? Now, don't be exasperating and tell me what it's all about. Well, it really isn't about anything, dear. Happened four days ago on the 520. You see, this nice-looking old man sat next to me. And when the conductor came around, the old man had lost his ticket and his wallet. He was going to Greenhaven, where friends were meeting him. So I offered to pay his fare. Is that all? That's all. Of course, I didn't realize that he was an executive of Federal Steel. Uh, you'd think he'd have made out a check for $1.75 anyway. Well, he didn't. But he says that he's going to be in the city on the 19th, and he'd be pleased if we'd have dinner with him and go to the theater in appreciation of my kindness. The theater? Well, that's fine. Oh, shall I wear the black dinner dress or that mustard you like so much? Well, you wear anything you want, Hazel. It's not that important. What do you mean, not that important? Oh, wait till I drop a name like that at the bridge club. That will make certain people sit up and take notice. <laughs> Philip O'Donnell's swindle might be characterized as the long build-up type. Having entertained his victim at the theater several times and sent numerous small presents to the wife, he eventually allowed himself to be invited to the victim's house for occasional dinners. All the while, of course, he was playing the solid, substantial executive, a man of wealth and character. Oh, I said, Mr. President, if you need steel for tanks, you're going to get steel for tanks. I'm happy to say we didn't disappoint him. Imagine that. Well, I guess you fellows had a pretty big responsibility during the war. Well, we couldn't let our boys down. We had to give them the best. Well, I'm sorry I have to run, but uh, we've got a board meeting in Pittsburgh in the morning. We were hoping you might stay the weekend. Oh, I've already imposed quite heavily on your hospitality. Oh, nonsense. Hazel yes, and I... yes, I have, and I can't even think of a way to pay you back. Pay us back? Well, that's silly. We've enjoyed having you. Oh, of course we have. All oh, those dinners you gave us in town. <laughs> All theater. right. We, uh, we won't argue. You're both much too nice to me, and... I'm going to think of something. We wish you wouldn't. Uh, Stanley, tell me, do you invest at all in the uh, stock market? Hmm. Little now and then. Oh, we made $1,200 on Western Aircraft this summer. Oh, well, that was just a fluke. Stanley, I'm going to tell you something, but I must ask you to keep it in the strictest confidence. Federal Steel will shortly announce a new issue of common stock. It will be offered for $10 a share. Now, I could buy some of that stock for you at 7 before the issue is made public. You can. Is that good? <laughs> no, it's not good, Hazel. It's only an absolute guarantee of $3 a share profit. Phil, I've never been on the inside of a thing like this before. Well, as always a first time, Stanley. There are four or five of us at Federal who will be allowed to buy this issue at the pre-market price. And it's perfectly legal if I transfer some of my shares to you. Hey, hey, look at the time. I've really got to go along now. Uh, Stanley, you don't mind if I give the maid or something? She's been so pleasant. No, of course not. I'll bring the car around. I'll be right with you. Stanley, what's it all about? It's not about anything, Hazel. We're just going to make an awful lot of money, that's all. Don't joke, Stanley. I'm not. This is the biggest thing that ever happened to us. For once, we've got the inside track. There's no telling where we'll go this time. <laughs> Back to the inside track in just a moment. You know, friends, one reason you'll enjoy chewing Wrigley Spearmint Gum is that it helps to keep your mouth feeling so fresh and clean. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley Spearmint is really cooling and refreshing. Besides, the chewing itself gives you comfort because it helps to keep your mouth and throat pleasingly moist. It helps keep your teeth clean and bright, too. 
Try it and see for yourself. Chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum while you work, while driving your car, out walking, and in your home. See how this delicious chewing gum helps to keep your mouth feeling fresh, cool, and clean. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Get some next time you go to the store. And now, Act Two of tonight's story, The Inside Track. It's customary in describing the activities of swindlers to name widows and orphans as the principal victims of the racket. Although our files do not show any defrauded orphans, we do know that widows with money to invest are prime targets for the O'Donnell type of racket. Mrs. Julia Whitley of Greenwich, Connecticut, was one of O'Donnell's victims who told us a familiar story. And then he said I could buy some of these shares before they came on the market. You didn't consult with anyone, your broker or a friend? Oh, no, of course not. Mr. O'Donnell made me promise not to tell anyone about the new shares. He said it might depress the market if the news came out too soon. I see. Uh, I guess I was pretty foolish. I thought I was going to make a lot of money with no risk. How many of these shares were you going to buy? A thousand at seven dollars a share. I was going to make an immediate profit of three dollars the day they came on the market. And you gave O'Donnell a check for seven thousand dollars? Yes, I did. Was he going to send you the stock? I believe that was the idea. And you never heard from him after that? Never. The only memento I have of Mr. Philip O'Donnell is his original check for a dollar and eighty-one cents. You have that check? The one he sent you for the train fare? Yes. I was going to keep it for sentimental reasons until I found out who Mr. O'Donnell was. Now I'm keeping it as a warning never to listen to distinguished-looking strangers on a train. Uh, may we see that check, Mrs. Whitley? Yes, I'll get it. Might be a break, Steve. Thanks. Well, she keeps a regular checking account somewhere. That wouldn't be too smart, would it? No, but they always make one mistake. Maybe this is it. How do you study over if there's any money left? Stanley, would you like your study in green? Hmm? Can't you put that paper down for a minute and listen? I was just checking the financial page. Not a thing about the new issue of Federal Steel. Well, he said it was a secret, didn't he? Yes, he did. I'm just watching for a leak, that's all. You know how things are on the street? What street? Oh, you mean Wall Street. Well, I don't mean the corner of Maple Boulevard. You don't have to get so upset. Ever since Phil mentioned that stock, you've been jumpier than a tadpole. My dear, tadpoles do not jump. Frogs don't. I don't Tad... care what tadpoles do. You have been just horrible. Well, I'm sorry. And you're not even interested in redecorating the house. Oh, yes, dear, I am. It's just that... Well, this is the first time we've really been on the inside of anything, and I'm scared something will go wrong. What could go wrong? Well, I don't know what could go wrong. That's what's so horrible. <laughs> The check which Philip O'Donnell had given to Mrs. Whitley was drawn on a Pittsburgh bank. Agents of our Pittsburgh office found that O'Donnell kept a regular checking account at the bank and deposited by mail. The address for the account was a cheap hotel in New York. When Agent Reynolds made inquiries at this hotel, the records showed that O'Donnell had stayed there for two days the year previous. The trail stopped at that point. Yes, sir, Ali, the whole trick is to keep moving. Never get in a rut professionally. Yeah, guess I am in a rut. I did two jobs this summer, both on the east side. Yes, you are to broaden your outlook, my boy. Get over to the west side once in a while, huh? Yeah, even try another city, like Philadelphia or Newark. Well, I was in Philadelphia once. 
food give me heartburn. <laughs> I guess you'd better stay in your rut. Yeah, I guess so. Well, uh, how's your racket, Phil? Any activity? Oh, yes, yes. I'm active right now. Well, uh, any way I can help, I'd be glad to. You uh, need money? <laughs> More than my right arm. That's what I thought. Well, Oliver, I can use you tonight. All you have to do is to make a phone call. Uh, Sam the bookie's going to have to wait, huh? For a friendship, I'll give you 25 bucks for this. Oh, wait. Who do I call and why? You uh, call this number out in the suburbs. You tell them that you're the Transatlantic Airlines. You've got my reservations to Paris, and could you please speak to me? Transatlantic Airlines? Yes. You're getting ready to close the deal, huh? That's right. I tell my sucker I'll be in Paris for two weeks so I can have time to cash his check. <laughs> you know, I wish I'd started in your end of the business, Phil. No climbing up back stairs, no jimmying open locks. <laughs> just brain work. That's what I should be doing. I would be, too, if I had any brains. The hell, each man to his own trade, Ollie. Phil, um, do you make much out of this? Oh, seven to ten thousand, if I play it right. Seven to ten thousand? Boy, what a racket. All it takes is a lot of lousy brain work. I should have stood in that grammar school, that's for certain. Back to the inside track in just a moment. Friends, here's a modern, sensible way to satisfy that little hungry feeling you sometimes get between meals, especially when you want to go light. Chew a stick of refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Gum. You see, Wrigley Spearmint Gum is never rich or filling, yet it does satisfy your taste and give you that little pickup you want. Helps to tide you over till mealtime. It's one reason why Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum is the favorite between-meal treat of millions. Always keep a package of Wrigley Spearmint Gum right with you. And when you get that little hungry feeling but want to go light, chew a stick of this good-tasting gum. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. And now, Act Three of tonight's story, The Inside Track. break in the case against Philip O'Donnell came after a number of months when the Pittsburgh Bank notified us that a check for a dollar and 72 cents made out by O'Donnell had been deposited in a suburban New York bank and cleared to the O'Donnell account. The name of the depositor was Stanley Teller. A quick check of the New York bank gave us Teller's address. Agent Reynolds and I were soon talking with Mrs. Teller. And then the phone rang and they said it was the Transatlantic Airlines and they had Mr. O'Donnell's ticket for Paris. And then Stanley gave Mr. O'Donnell the check. And then Mr. O'Donnell said goodbye, and then Stanley said goodbye, and then I said goodbye. Oh, wait till Stanley hears this. He'll simply die. He will curl up on the rug and expire. How much was the check, Mrs. Teller? $7,000. And this was last night? Yes, I suppose he's cashed it by now. Maybe i better call the bank and see it's if... It's 7 o'clock, Mrs. Teller. Oh, dear. We'll call the bank manager as soon as we leave. Check hasn't been cashed. We'll have the payment stopped. Oh, I'm sure it's been cashed. Oh, poor Stanley. He worked so hard for our money. You don't suppose this is deductible, do you? I mean, you could call it a business loss, couldn't you? Uh, perhaps. Mrs. Teller, do you have any idea where O'Donnell was living during the time he was visiting you or when you were being entertained by him in the city? No, he always met us at the theater where we were eating dinner. I see. 
Now, may we have that letter you mentioned, the one from the Federal Steel Company? Yes, I'll get it. Hazel? Oh, dear Stanley, someone. Uh, in the living room, dear. Poor Stanley, this is going to be awful. I better make him a nice, substantial drink. Would you gentlemen... No, thanks. Stanley, dear, I'm making you a drink. Don't be upset, dear. Well, what's to be upset about? Nothing, dear, nothing at all. Stanley, these two gentlemen are agents of the FBI. Oh, Stan, we've been swindled. Our inside track wasn't on the inside at all. Stanley, we've been taken to the cleaners. <laughs> and they won't know it for weeks, Sally. Furthermore, they won't do anything as long as they think I'm in Paris, and then it'll be too late. Boy, what a racket. You don't even have to climb ladders. Uh, well, this uh, type of work suits a man of my advanced years. Yeah, I should be so advanced, believe me. When I get to be your age, I'm going to have to go on relief. Oh, I tried that for several days once. Oh, you wouldn't like it, Oliver. The people you meet are quite depressing. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, hey, Bill, uh, speaking of relief... Your $25. Oh. Don't worry, Oliver. I wasn't going to forget. I thought maybe you'd forget it was 25 Oh, you did? Um... Make out like it was 50, kind of? Oliver, you're a thief. And I admire your straightforward attitude toward money. Well, here you are, my boy. And keep it away from Sam the bookie. Oh, thanks, Phil. I'll try. Well, I guess I'll have to be going along. Uh, Phil. Yeah? Just one thing before you go. Yes? Phil, I never in my life saw a check for $7,000. Could I just look at it? Why, Oliver, what a touching declaration. Of course you can. Here you are. Take a good long look. Hey, paint to the order of Philip O'Donnell, seven zero 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 dollars. <laughs> Handsome, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Hey, Phil. Hmm? You spelled seven S-E-V-E-N, don't you? Yes, yes, of course. That's what I thought. <laughs> Boy, you got a real sucker on his check. Well, well, what do you mean? Just take a look at this. He's more ignorant than me, even. That's gone some, believe me. but a stupid, ignorant yokel. I never should have come to New York. I should have stayed in Little Falls. Oh, don't talk like that, Stanley. Well, I am stupid, aren't I? Yes, you are, dear, but that's oh, no wait reason. wait a minute. You know, you weren't so terribly bright during all of this, either. Well, perhaps not, but at least well, I... As a matter of fact, you were spending our profits redecorating the house. Well, the to... house needed decorating, I mean, after you all. You advised me to buy 2,000 shares instead of one. Well, who had the inside track to Wall Street? You or me? Well, I guess it was my fault. No, it wasn't all your fault, Stanley. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. As I said to Muriel... As you said to Muriel? Muriel Potter. You told Muriel Potter? Well, after all, Stanley, she is one of you my best Muriel friends. You told Muriel Potter that we made fools well, of all ourselves? all I told Do you her realize it'll be all over the neighborhood by now? All over Madison Avenue? All over every place? Don't shout Muriel at Potter, me. of all people, we'll never live at all. We might as well move to Madagascar. Where's that? Oh, who cares where it is? Who cares about anything now? The doorbell is ringing. Well, let it ring. Maybe they'll go away. It's ringing again. Yeah, it's probably Muriel Potter coming over for the ghoulish details. I'd better open it or she'll break it down. All right, Muriel, I'm coming. My head is bending low, but I... What's <laughs> Hello, Stanley. What's this? No, 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 no. I'm not in Paris. I miss my plane. Oh, I thought I'd spend one more evening with my dear friends, the Tellers. 
Well, don't act like you've seen a ghost, Hazel. It's me, Philip. Phil. And uh, besides missing my plane, I have a little matter for you to straighten out, Stanley. What? Uh... Oh, just a small oversight on that check you gave me. The numeral said 7,000, but you wrote out 17,000. <laughs> besides not wanting to cheat you, I'm afraid the uh, bank wouldn't accept it. You, uh... You want another check? Well, there's no hurry, my boy. I thought I'd spend the evening with you charming people. Well, I'll, I'll make out another check right away. Well, there's no hurry, uh, Stanley. Oh, yes. Yes, there is. There's a terrible hurry. Hazel, you entertain Phil for a moment. Well, Stanley, uh, no, really, you I... give I... Phil a drink, Hazel. I'll make out the check in the library. Oh, uh, oh, of course, dear. Uh, don't go away, Phil. <laughs> Why should I want to go away? No, just don't. That's all. Hello, operator. Get me the police right away, will you? I've got a swindler in the parlor. Even though witnesses were somewhat reluctant to testify, Philip O'Donnell was found guilty on three counts of fraud and sentenced to five years in prison. With good behavior, this period will be reduced but O'Donnell will be almost 70 on his return to freedom. It is hoped he will be too old to steer any victims to the inside track. Remember, friends, to help keep your mouth feeling fresh and clean, chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. There's lots of lively, refreshing flavor in it. And you can chew a stick just about any time and any place. Then, too, while you're sinking your teeth into this good-tasting gum, the natural chewing action is helping to keep your teeth clean and bright. Next time you're at the store, get some packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Get plenty for your whole family, because Wrigley's Spearmint Gum is a perfect all-family treat. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. In tonight's story, Paul McGrath played the part of Philip O'Donnell. Bob Reddick was Stanley Teller. This radio dramatization for the FBI in Peace and War was written by Louis Pelletier. These programs are produced and directed by Betty Mandeville. All names and characters used on the program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This program is based upon Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. And the broadcast does not imply endorsement, authorization, or approval by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you real chewing enjoyment, invite you to listen to next Wednesday's story, The Fast Pace, on the FBI in Peace and War. Same time, same station. This is the CBS Radio Network. In the Black Hills of Dakota Territory, I met a lovesick miner and got bitten by the gold bug.
Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Seven nights a week on CBS Radio, most of these stations present The World Tonight. On The World Tonight, a CBS newsmen broadcast direct from where the news is developing, along with well-detailed eyewitness reports on current events. The World Tonight brings you lively interviews with people in the news. When big things are happening in London, Moscow, Paris, Tokyo, or Rome, they're all within speaking distance on The World Tonight. Now, starring John Daner. This is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. The town of Deadwood is built between a canyon wall and a river. As with so many other products of a gold rush, it has attracted the best and the worst of humanity the enticements being many and varied from opium dens to gambling halls and saloons. Morning and night, the long main street fairly roars, and the sound carries many a mile into the black hills to be heard by some half-starved, grizzled prospector down on his luck. I had gone into those same hills in order to write my impressions of gold mining in this area. It was the evening of my second day when I wandered into the camp of two men. Their diggings were in a hillside a few yards from their fire. Evening, mister. Good evening. Any luck? Uh, no. Uh, had you grub? Not yet, I... Well, shake yourself. <laughs> Ain't no fancy fixings. Got us some dough meat and splatter dabs, if that'll do you. Well, it's very kind of you, but I don't want Heck, to... Heck, ain't no trouble. Rest your saddle, mister. <laughs> Thank you. This here gut robber, he's Frank Twist. I'm Charlie Longball. J.B. Kendall. Huh, How do you do? to know you. Uh, may I contribute to the meal? Sure. Oh, uh, ain't got any sweetening, have you? Yes. Jam, sugar. Jam. Oh, jam. That'll go just fine on them splatter dabs. See, we run out of sugar three weeks back. Uh, the belly wash this old woman makes. I've been putting raisins in it to get some taste out of it. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, here. Oh, now that's mighty friendly, mister. Sure you can spare it. Oh, yes. Say, where you been prospecting, J.B.? I'll tell you the truth, I haven't. I'm a writer, just... Moving around, looking for something to write about. That's so. You hear that, Frank? Yeah, ain't that something? You ain't looking for gold at all? If I found some, I wouldn't mind in the least. No, I'm not particularly searching for it. I admire that. I surely do. What about you fellows? Ain't running more than $10 a ton right now. We figured to give it a couple of more days and then move on. Of course, 10 ain't bad, but there's fellas cleaning up better than 50 a ton hereabouts. Don't uh, don't pay to waste time on hungry ore. Mm. You both miners? Well, Frank is. Real old gristle heel. Ain't that right, Frank? I allows it so. Me? <laughs> I was a cowpuncher driving cows up to Cheyenne from Fort Worth. Heard about the gold come on over. Well, I see that was uh, a couple of years back. 
Met up with Frank, we got to be partners, ain't that so, Frank? Yeah, and mister, you ain't never seen such a greener in all your born days. First time he went to panning, I like to die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the young fool finds himself a piece of pyrite as big as your fist and thinks it's real gold. Gold, oh, well, he darn near drowned himself. You know, I pumped a gallon of water out of him. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> oh, he learned better than after that, I tell you. Oh, I did. Sure as your foot. <laughs> hey, uh, hey uh, how long since you was down to Deadwood, mister? Two days ago. Two days? Say, hey, uh, <clears throat> You uh, ever go to the Green Front down there? The Green Front? Yeah. Mm, I don't think so, no. <laughs> Frankie's got a girl at the Green Front. Him and a hundred other the boys. Now you hobble that lip of yarn, Charlie. When I say I got a girl, that's what I say. Where's the sweetest little long-haired partner a man could ever hope to have? And don't you <laughs> forget it. Now you're getting my back up, Charlie Longball. <laughs> that ain't meaningful, Frank. Ain't nothing funny about me and Mary. I ain't to get hitched up with her one of these days as soon as I make a strike. All right, Frank. Ain't nobody saying otherwise. Yeah? Well, ain't better be. Well, I'm going to fetch some water in the creek. You watch that meat, Charlie, so she won't burn. Sure, Frank, sure. Yeah, I, I should ought to know better by now. I gather that Mary is rather a touchy subject. J.B., if you never seen a man with a love colic, you have now. At Frank, I swear when he gets into Deadwood, he's courting that gal like she was the finest lady in the whole territory. Buying her candies, all kind of fripperies, I swear. It ain't I got nothing against a gal. She ain't no worse than most. But I sure do hate to see a man old enough to be her father, which if you ask me, she never even knew. I sure do hate to see him. Uh, hate to see him? Yeah, him making cow eyes and playing the fool over that painted cat. Why, she don't give no more and spit for him. It irons me good, I tell you. Oh, well, it's hard to tell a man in love that he is making a fool of himself. Now, that's a mouthful of truth, J.B. You know all she wants out of old Charlie. You know it's his money. If he ever gets any, she'll turn him high inside, too, before she's through with him. He won't have a tail feather left. How old is he? Frank? Yeah. Oh, 60, maybe. He never said. That's the trouble. Old Wrinklehorn thinks he's still a yearling. Doesn't he know that she doesn't care about him? Sure, he don't see nothing. She gives him one of them big-eyed, skid-greased smiles. He's a goner. Well, I'm afraid there's not much you can do about it. If you take my advice, Charlie, Charlie. you'll just... Charlie! What? Charlie! What? What's the matter? Charlie, here you, boy. Take a look. Take a look, take a look at this oil up there, my balls of yarn, and look. Holy suffering wishes. You ever see anything like that? Where'd you find it, Frank? Where? Oh, it's pure. It's like I never seen in my whole days. Pure gold, Charlie boy. It's pure gold. Frank, yo. (laughs) Frank, yo. Hooters, slow down for you. Bust your gut. Where'd you find it? I'll show you. Down this side of the creek. I'll show you. Come on. It's worth millions, Charlie boy. Right now, your GMC dealer is inviting every truck owner and every truck buyer to make his own value test. Compare what you get with what you pay for when you buy any truck on the market. Then see if you don't agree, a GMC wins on value. That a truck-built GMC gives you more for your money. Here's a sample of a real bargain. Your GMC dealer is ready to offer you a brand new 1958 GMC truck for stop-and-go delivery work, complete with package delivery body, 
at a price that's less than you'd have paid for this same vehicle a year ago. And here's another bargain. Today's brand new pickup with 22 extra quality features at no extra cost. Priced right down with the lowest. When it comes to trucks, remember GMC, the quality name in trucks, wins any price value showdown. See your GMC dealer now. In the gathering twilight, we stumbled, raced down the slope toward the creek. Then a few yards from the bottom of the hill, Frank Twist stopped, put a shaking hand on an outcropping of rock, and we saw a newly hacked scar. You ain't gonna believe neither one. You ain't gonna, Frank. Frank, we've struck it. Look at that. Mr. J.B. Kendall, you brung us luck. Big luck. <laughs> you know what happened, you know? Oh, I was mad at you. Real mad, Charlie boy. I was passing by this here ledge, and I give the bucket a good swing to help get rid of my froth. The bucket got caught on a crack and pulled loose. A piece of rock come out. But there weren't no rock, Charlie. It was gold. That piece of gold. It was fabulous. I'd never have believed it if I hadn't Boys, <laughs> we got to celebrate. That's what. Let's get on back to oh, the wait, wait, wait a minute, Frank. I want to hack me off another piece. Well, go ahead. You too, Kendall. Go on. Uh, now, now, wait. One moment. There's one thing. Is this yours? I mean, is it part of your claim? Well, sure it is. Ain't it, Frank? Hey, well, well, I reckon it is. You reckon? Well, we paced it off, Frank. Up the diggings don't have come down this far. I don't rightly remember, Charlie, but uh, let's see now. 200 yards south, 300 north. That's on Packsaddle Jack's behind. East, 44 west. Frank, we panned downstream. We never made no claim here. Well, we got to do it right now, right away, Charlie. Quick. Yeah, sure, Frank. Kendall, you give us a hand. We'll cut you in for a share. Oh, I'd be very happy as to. As soon as we get it staked out, me and Kendall go back to Deadwood and register. Now, you stay here to keep an eye out, Charlie. Like you say, Frank, but but suppose somebody else has already staked it. We searched for some mark of ownership. A can of rocks, an old tin can. But in the darkness, we could find nothing. The three of us staked out the area and then started for Deadwood, leaving Charlie seated at the campfire, a look of grim determination on his face, a shotgun across his knee. It was well past midnight when we arrived in Deadwood to register the claim, but the office was closed and wouldn't open until six in the morning. Well, I sure do hate to let that claim sit like that with only the young fella up there. There's no use worrying about it, Frank. You can't do anything until morning anyway. Well, you're right, J.B. You're darn right. Tell you what, this you'll be celebrating. Drinks are on me. Bella Union's just down the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a long night, but worth it, because in the morning, we're going to be millionaires. The Bella Union was probably the most disreputable, lowest den of iniquity in all of Deadwood. Its whiskey was foul, and the beer, sir, I've heard best described by cowpunchers when speaking of shallow pools of water in which cattle have been standing, green, stagnant. The whiskey being the lesser of the evils, I nursed mine along, which is more than I can say for Frank Twist. Give me another shot of that fine red disturbance, partner. I've got to settle the dust in my belly. He had consumed three quarters of a bottle and seemed none the worse for it. Woo-hoo! I got the word by the tail of a downhill drag. <laughs> At about three o'clock, my companion turned a somewhat reddened eye on me. Hit off. 
put his arm on my shoulder and said, You You're drunk. I'm sorry. What do you need? What you need is a drink. I have one. Thank you. What I need is a drink. Uh, in your hand, Frank. Mary. What? Mary. Let's go see sweet Mary down to the green front. Well, now, don't you think perhaps we'd better wait until the office opens? Remember? Claim? Oh, you got to meet Mary. She, me, me, and she. We're going to do some rotten logging. <laughs> Sweetest little gal in Deadwood. Marry her in the morning. Come on. We made our way down the street to the green front. The saloon was a good deal quieter than the Bella Union, but for an entirely different reason. Several ladies of assorted ages and varying degrees of decay were present, and with them seated drinking at tables, their consorts. Frank Twist dragged me across the room. There she is! Mary! Mary! (laughs) Come on, Mary! Here, give us a kiss! Mister, you take your slimy hands off of that sweet, pure girl. Uh, come on, Frank. You don't want to do... Hey, there. It's old man Twist. Yeah. Are you talking to me, you raunch old son of a gun? You heard? Mary, hold my drink. Sure, honey. Uh, now, now, forgive the intrusion, but my friend is rather drunk. He doesn't mean... What do you mean, I don't mean? Frank. Frank, Frank. Mister, you got a mighty powerful whoop in that fist. You got a feeling you busted Porky Culligan's nose. You sure got a pretty color of blood, ain't you? Frank. He gave his head a hit on the table when Porky hit him. Up. He ain't gonna wake up for a while. You sit down and have a drink with me, stranger. No, 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 no. We don't want no trouble in here, mister. Oh, there ain't no trouble, Horace. You're gonna take care of the customers. Bring the gentleman here a fresh glass. He wants to buy me a drink. Don't you, honey? Well, I hadn't thought of it. Hey! Who dropped this? Now, if, if you don't mind, that belongs to my friend, Mr. Twist. Holy... Is that what I think it is? Gold. Holy... Where? In the hills. Sure, in the hills, but where? Let me see. Oh. Richest I've seen since Darby Methwig's strike. Mr. You and him... You and him, partner? Yes. Oh. Oh, Horace, get the gentleman some champagne. You don't want to drink none of that snake poison of yours. Sure. Hey, you back. Sit down, Mr. Honey. Sit down. Let that dear old man lay. Me, we'll take care of him when he wakes up. Now, I, I want you to tell me all about yourself. Where'd you say you found the gold? This fall, we're conducting one of the biggest talent searches in our history. We're trying to find the most gifted men available to run the country for us. We're looking for candidates who can guide us through the perilous days ahead with wisdom and candor. How do we find these talented men who will be our next congressmen, judges, governors, and mayors? Find out just what they believe in. After the eliminations in the primaries, we hold the finals of this great talent search in November. 
We are the judges, and our decision is final. But to vote, you must register first. Then, in the November elections, vote and pick a winner. Miss, uh, Mary, I never did learn her surname, draped herself around me like an anaconda. Every now and again, she patted my pocket to assure herself, I have no doubt, that the gold nugget was still there. There was nothing subtle about her. She came to the point with a minimum of preliminaries, and was, I think, quite surprised when I declined. You married or something? No. Well, don't you want a wife? Don't you want a flock of kids? Well, uh, at the moment, the furthest thing from my mind. You like me? I find you devastating. You don't like me. You shatter me. Mr. Twist likes me. He loves me, he told me. Yes, I know. He'd marry me. Well, I suppose he would. I always thought he was a funny old nose painter. Imagine him wanting to marry me. It is hard to imagine. Yeah, ain't it? May and December. Of course, the old goat's got a lot of life left in him. But I think you're much nicer. It's kind of you. You don't like me. I have some more champagne. Uh, thank you. How much you figure that strike of yours is worth? Well, according to Frank, millions. Would you like for me to sit in your lap? No, thank you. What's the matter? Don't you like women? On the contrary, I'm very fond of them. Oh, just me then, huh? I ain't your kind. Mary, why do you want to marry me? You've got a gold mine, ain't you? Yes. Well? Simple as that? You've got a better reason? I'd take care of you, woman thing. You know, like your socks and all. Yeah, I guess maybe because I've been working in a place like this, I ain't the wife you'd be wanting. Is that it? If I were in love with you, Mary, it wouldn't matter where you worked. I'd like to find a man like you. Settle down. Wouldn't even have to have a million dollars. Just, just enough, you know. No, I think so. Oh, your erstwhile friend is coming to. Huh? The gentleman with the wounded nose. Porky, you better get out of here for... What's your name, sweetheart? Kendall. For my fiancé, Mr. Kendall, let some more air out of you. Oh, oh. How come you didn't tell me you had a fiancé? Don't have to tell a hill rat like you nothing. He ain't gonna talk like that if my claim turns out rich. Rich? Culligan, you couldn't find enough pay dirt in your whole life to beat what Mr. Kendall's got right there in his pocket. Oh. <clears throat> Say, you, you hit it hard? I think so. Well, now, I ain't a man to hold no grudge hard. Just you put her there. <laughs> As I reached out my hand, Porky Culligan hit me a beauty, and that was that. But a half an hour later, I woke up, my head pillowed in Mary's lap, an anxious Frank Twist leaning over me, and behind him, the rodent-like features of Stoat, the green front proprietor. Kendra, you all right? Kendra. Oh, oh sweetheart, I thought you was dead. Oh. Mary. So did I. What call you got calling him sweetheart? I can call him anything I want. 
Halligan got your gold, mister. Took off out of here like he had a burr under his saddle. With the gold? Yeah. Stole a nugget right out of your pocket. I tried to stop it. Oh, no matter, none, Kendall. There's plenty more where that come from. Oh, well. Uh, Maybe you better lie down for a while, honey, till no, you no. feel all right. You want to come to my room? No, he don't want to come to your room. I'll take care of him. Come on, J.B. You better be getting along. We got business. Uh, what about the champagne? You ain't paid for that yet. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes, yes. hundred dollars. What are you, a road agent? That's the price. Pay up. Oh. Uh, yeah. Ain't I gonna see you again, Kendall? It's doubtful, Mary. How about you, Frank? You coming back when you're done with your business? Well, I ain't so sure no more, Mary. Maybe you ain't exactly the kind of woman I'd want to be raising my kids. How come? I thought you were sweet on me. I was. But you're a fickle female woman. And I aim to do some better with my millions. Come on, let's go, Kendall. We left the forlorn miss of the green front and walked down the street to the land office. Frank Twist was remarkably sober. We had an hour to wait until six, and then the office opened. The agent took our claim and began to go through his files. You know, I'm mighty glad, mighty glad I found out about that woman before it was too late, J.B. Oh? Yes, sir. I got you to thank for that. Why, sure. The only thing she was interested in was my money. Yes, I rather gathered that impression myself. A yowling and a screeching. Mm -hmm. Figured for a while you was dead. Right there with you ain't yet cold. She's asking me to marry her, and then you wake up and she starts calling you sweetheart. Well, we're both to be congratulated, Frank. I'm still alive. You're still single. Yeah. Gee, sure it's taking that fuller some time to check that claim. That, boys? Oh, everything, everything fine, huh? Uh, sure, but not for you it ain't. No. Not for us. Unless you made a real big mistake when you staked it out. That claim's already spoke for. It, ain't, it, it, it can't be. I'm sorry. It sure enough is. Yeah, let's see. The name of Culligan. Porky Culligan. He's legal owner. Yeah, what's the matter? You boys find some gold up there? I went back with Frank Twist to his camp. Then with Charlie Longbaugh... We walked down to the creek and looked at the outcropping of gold. Two days later, Culligan found it. And the day after that, he married Mary of the Green Front. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, Jack Moyles, and Jack Crucian. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking.
That's it for the Relic Radio Show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from the FBI and Peace and War, Frontier Gentlemen, this podcast, and all of the other Relic Radio podcasts and our Shoutcast stream. All of that is at relicradio.com. And it's all for free thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links while you're on the website. Thank you, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back again next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.